0: Welcome to Podcasts on Demand, a continuing medical education activity. This activity includes the most recent and current clinical data presented by leading experts. If you are seeking continuing education credit, please review the disclosures and the requirements for a successful completion of the activity prior to listening to the podcast. A link is found in the podcast description that can direct you to this information. Welcome to episode four of four of the Practice Changing Updates, the Evolving Hemophilia Treatment Landscape podcast series. I am Dr. Guy Young, professor of pediatrics at the University of Southern California and director of the Hemostasis and Thrombosis Center at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Angela Wyand. In this episode, we will discuss clinical case scenarios to examine the utility of novel non-replacement therapy and gene therapy. We'll illustrate the potential application of these novel therapies among diverse patient subsets and provide guidance to determine how different patients will benefit from these agents. Um, so uh, a couple cases, I think we're running out of time, so i will probably be very brief here. Um, so we've got a six-month-old, having lots of trauma-related bleeds, including mouth and tongue. Um, he's gotten multiple doses of Novo7 uh, because he's had an inhibitor. Um, and then um, you can see he's developed this factor inhibitor after just a very few doses, and immune tolerance was not attempted. And he started having, uh, so now he's two years old and he's having uh, joint bleeds in his ankles and his knees requiring a lot of Novo7. Um, and so um, now at two years of age, um, he's uh, uh, been on, um, he hasn't tried ITI. And uh, we're, we're still trying to get him to have his bleeds under control. So I guess here, which of the following options would be the best practice approach for you? And we'll let you go ahead and vote. You can see your options are FNS Octocog Alpha, Emicizumab, Pitucirin, Concizumab, and Valoctocogene Roxaparvovec. So essentially, two-year-old with an inhibitor with uh, multiple bleeds uh, on NOVA, uh, despite getting NOVO7 for treating the bleeds. And now he's having joint bleeds. And it um, looks like B is basically the number one answer here. And that's obviously the correct answer. So uh, well done to you all. And then um, now um, moving along here, uh, this patient um, is now, um, uh, sorry, has, he actually started fituceran prophylaxis. Now that was on a clinical trial, obviously, and, and he's done well with that. Let's get to the next case. I think that's more valuable. So we have a 13-year-old boy. He's got three target joints, knees, uh, two elbows, and a knee. He's been wheelchair bound at times. He has an ABR of about 20 over the past several years. Um, now, he has an allergic reaction to factor eight. And for that reason, we've had to rely on factor seven A to treat him. Um, and on occasion, he was uh, provided factor seven A for bleed prevention, but it wasn't really working very well. So, um, what uh, would be the best practice option for this 13 year old boy? With severe hemophilia, noting he has an allergy to factor eight. Uh, he's bleeding a lot. Um, Novo7 is controlling the bleeds, but he doesn't have a good prophylaxis option. So let's go ahead and vote. Your options are FNSOctocog alpha, emicizumab, fetusaran, concizumab, and valoptocogene, roxaparvovec. Yeah, certainly uh, emicizumab uh, would be an excellent option. I think here, depending on what's available, um, emicizumab or fetusaran or concizumab, of course. Um, you know, he he has this allergic reaction, so efenis wouldn't be an option. He's too young for gene therapy. Uh, so any of those three, and of course, the one that's available now is Emicizumab. Um, and um, so uh, in this case, he, ha- now, yes, Emicizumab would have been the best option. Turned out that because he's in my center, he gets options for clinical trials. And, uh, you know, this family was interested in clinical trials, so he was started on Concizumab. He's actually done really well. He's out of the wheelchair. He's not bleeding. And so he's done as well as what you saw in the Explore 8 trial with his bleed rate going down very low. Uh, And then finally, a 40-year-old man, so it's an adult, he manages his prophylaxis uh, well without many missed bleeds, but he still has four to six joint bleeds per year. Um, He really wants to minimize these bleeds. He switched to an extended half-life factor 8 at relatively high doses, but he still... Um, you know, still having some bleeds. You can see his background is he's had moderate hemophilic arthropathy. So back to the polling question again, with the same options you had in the previous question, uh, what would be a best practice approach for this patient? Again, the options are FNS octocog alpha, emicizumab concizumab or valoctocogene, roxaparvovec. I think uh, those, those are good options. I think again, really um, almost any of these options could be considered for this patient, but I think in an adult patient who's really looking to really get bleeds under control, perhaps even improve quality of life, um, you know, he was offered gene therapy in a trial and he ended up on valoctocogene roxaparvovec. So uh, in the near future, as we get to the teaching point here, there'll be multiple new therapeutic options for persons with hemophilia A. And, and you know, treatment decisions are gonna be more complicated, right? When you have more options, it's more complicated. Um, I use the analogy of, you know, if you're going to go to a, a subway, well, you know, you don't have too many choices. You're going to pick a sub and put whatever meat you want in there. But if you go with a group of people to uh, a restaurant that has, I uh, won't uh, advertise any, but that has multiple menu options, you know, it can be more complicated. You know, do I want the fish or the steak or last night I had pasta? Maybe I want some, uh, something else. So, yeah, the menu, as the menu gets bigger, the decisions are going to get bigger. And the key point here is to do Uh, follow a shared decision-making approach. You see one of them there, which is the SHARE acronym, seek your patient's participation, help your patient explore and compare treatment options, assess your patient's values and preferences, and then reach a decision. And after you reach a decision, of course you have to evaluate the response of the decision and then move forward from there. And don't be afraid to give one therapy and then switch to another. Um, The caveat there is of course, gene therapy cannot be undone. So once you have the gene therapy, it's there. Uh, but again, if a patient does lose their response, they can go back on prophylaxis. So uh, I think with that uh, whirlwind there and trying to finish more or less on time here, um, I will uh, stop and we're happy to uh, to take some of your questions uh, for me or Angela. Which other clinical trials are underway for emicizumab and octocog? Yeah, so you probably know a little better than I do. I know there are a number of like investigator and associated good studies um, for emicizumab like in von Willebrand's disease and looking at sports participation. Um, and then with FNAS um, I know that there's interest um, in planning for trying to collect data in POPS, which is the, the population they don't currently have really any data on um, as well as using FNAS like in von Willebrand's disease. But you probably know a little more than I do. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think you covered it. As you said, there, there's quite a number of investigator-initiated studies that have been funded by Genentech for emicizumab. You've mentioned a couple of them. And then really the main trial that's uh, newer that's going on, you covered as well, which is HAVEN7, Um, If people are wondering what happened to HAVEN 5 and 6, sort of like what happened to factor 3 and 6, uh, HAVEN 5 was a study that was done in China. So it's a Chinese-only study, and it was um, required by the Chinese government to get approval there. And then HAVEN 6 was a study in mild and moderate hemophilia, which was really done mostly for Europe, because in Europe, the label was only severe hemophilia and the European Medicines Agency required a study in mild and modern hemophilia patients. In the US, we already had that approval, so it was less important for us, although um, some people did participate in that. So that's HAVEN 5 and 6. I'm I not aware of any HAVEN 8, and HAVEN 7 may be the last one. And, yeah, and I think for EFA, yeah, I think this is the time that people who are interested in the drug should really think of ideas for studies. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, um, you know the most obvious example, although would be challenging, would be emesizumab versus F- efinaclotide alpha, and looking at you know various you know not just I mean bleeding is going to be low for both, uh, but looking at some other aspects, whether it's quality of life, whether it's activity, sports participation. I mean, it probably needs to be something like that done because we don't have that head to head. Two different mechanisms mm-hmm. of action, kind of two different you know, ways that the drugs, uh, their pharmacokinetics work. I mean, EFA still does have peaks and troughs, although the trough is quite blunted as you showed. Emmy's flat. So I think that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that's what we would all like. Someone, if someone can do that, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it would be a challenging study to do, no doubt, but uh, I think that'd be interesting. Now, last question here is, can any of the new rebalancing agents be used in combination with other agents um, I can take that one on first. I, I, um, in a talk I gave uh, a little over a year ago, I actually um, conjectured that uh, we might start using some combination therapy. And, you know, at the the basis, you know, why do we use combination therapy in other diseases? Well, the reason, I mean, those of us who, I don't really do oncology anymore, but we, most of us on here have done oncology at some point or still do it. You know, the reason why you do that is that you're using drugs with different mechanisms of action to A, try to have a better impact on the disease, so improve efficacy, and drugs without, we without, don't have overlapping toxicities, so you get less toxicity. I think in hemophilia A, uh, we are going to start to see some of that. And in fact, I would argue that we are seeing it in some patients who have received gene therapy. So some patients on valoctocogene, roxaparvovec, their factor levels are not undetectable. They're still detectable, and yet they've had bleeding, so they've started back on some sort of product. So they're sort of kind of on some sort of combination therapy. But if the question is really about, you know, can you use emicizumab like and together to improve the efficacy? Um, you know, I, I, that's something that I'm actually looking at, in, you know, in my lab to try to understand, you know, what is the impact of, of these two together in vitro? Uh, I absolutely, you know, first of all, Dusaren is not available. Even when it becomes available, you absolutely should not combine the two. Let me make that crystal clear. Don't combine the two unless you're doing a clinical trial. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we may get to a point where um, you know, if we're not getting the full satisfactory response, uh, we may use them in some sort of combination, maybe less often, maybe at lower doses. I mean, so I think there's a lot, a lot to learn about that, and it'll be interesting to see how that transpires. But I think the main message is they have not been studied in combination. They're not going to be studied for the near future in combination. And when they're available, um, I, I would not advise doing that outside of a clinical trial. Well, thanks everybody. And um, I think that that'll be it. And have a good evening or late afternoon if you're on the West Coast like me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Practice Changing Updates, the Evolving Hemophilia Treatment Landscape. We hope you found this podcast useful and educational. To receive continuing education credit and to download your printable certificate, please go to the activity page at practice.cme.com to complete the post-test and evaluation to receive continuing education credit.